0: Welcome to the Liberty Leadership in Lies with Larry Linton podcast. For those of you who are new listeners, this podcast will be about exactly what the title implies. We will discuss the state of liberty in our republic today, and how it is being eroded by the very institution that was created by our founding fathers to protect it, which is the government that now hates us. We'll also discuss the many different types and styles of leadership that exist today, But more frequently, we'll talk about how our republic is best served by true servant leadership in elected office. On the topic of lies, we will discuss the many pervasive lies that are told in society today, and not only by our government, but their willing partners in the news media, social media, and tech sectors. These lies, they're designed to rob us of our liberty and destroy our trust in and reliance on the founding principles of our nation and its constitution. I will also use a portion of each episode to discuss my election campaign to represent Tennessee's House of Representatives, District 12. And What I hope to accomplish with my campaign is just basically a couple of things. I want to bring to Nashville an example of what following an oath to the Constitution looks like. And this is based upon my 30 years of service to our nation in the United States Navy. Additionally, once I am in Nashville... I would like to restore the state's role as the creator of and the parent to the federal government. What a lot of people don't realize is that our federal government is not a party to our Constitution, but it is a product of the Constitution. And this Constitution is a charter between all the states that empowers the federal government with certain and extremely limited powers, such as providing for the common defense and to regulate trade, We can also discuss any tactics or techniques the listeners may have in the fight to restore our nation's founding principles when engaging with what has apparently become the people's enemy over the course of generations now, and that is the government that, one, hates us, and two, only sees us as the means to obtain and maintain power. If you would like to contact the show, just send an email to larry at com. You can also subscribe to my blog there at the website. Additionally, even at the website, you can contribute to my campaign. You can find the podcast and the campaign on social media. Just search for Larry for TN12 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook for the campaign info, and Liberty Leadership and Lives with Larry Lynn for the podcast social media pages. I'm also on Telegram as Liberty Leadership and Lives. I will be recording the show either from the Goat Locker studio in Sevierville, Tennessee, or on remote locations where my consulting business or election campaign takes me. Well, ladies and gentlemen, there are many things to discuss concerning the erosion of our liberties this week on the local, state, and national level. It seems there is a never-ending supply of information that clearly demonstrates how communism is creeping into every facet of our lives now. From local school boards and teachers to state legislators failing in their oaths to federal judges and their judicial activism, to elected members of Congress. There is so much information to sift through, and it is coming faster and faster each day. It's reaching the speed of light, so to say. Before we discuss the creeping communism happening all over, let's discuss my, no, our effort to stop it. I'll begin by giving the final plug for tomorrow's event here in Sevier County that I will be attending. Not as a podcast host, but as a candidate for Tennessee's House of Representatives, 12th District. If you're a regular listener, you should be aware of it by now, but for those new listeners, it is the Meet the Candidates Night, hosted by Empowered Sevier. It's scheduled to take place tomorrow, the 7th of April, at the Sevierville Civic Center. It is also scheduled to run from 5 p.m. until 8 p.m., with light refreshments and a straw poll being conducted at the end of the evening. There will be more than 30 candidates for local and state offices present, or maybe some representatives of those candidates, and like I mentioned, I'll be there. Many thanks to Kelly O'Connor and the group of patriots at Empowered Sevier for putting this event together. Standing in the arena together, we can put an end to this creeping communism that is in every corner of our society today. Every corner, including the education of our children in government schools. So let's begin with that topic. It seems that even our local school board in conservative Sevier County, mind you, is allowing... No, make that forcing creeping communism into the realm of indoctrinating children. I say forcing because they have made a conscious choice to purchase curriculum that appears to sexualize children. I say appears because as I have sifted through the publicly available information that concerned parents and teachers are sharing and the links to websites and other sources that are completely inappropriate for grades K through 8. It also appears to actively encourage the destruction of familial bonds through its online instruction first it was the core knowledge language arts the ckla curriculum and now it is the second step social emotional learning curriculum many of you may remember that i attended a meeting with a superintendent members of our staff and a concerned parent last december about certain aspects of the ckla it was disturbing how parts of the curriculum were historically and factually inaccurate almost as if it were derived straight from the lies contained in the 1619 Project. But how it also introduced transgenderism and an introduction to teaching about every other religion on the planet with a bare mention of Christianity. As I and this concerned parent, this fellow taxpayer, walked away from that meeting, we knew that there was, or is, something bad going on with our county's education system. Yes, deep in what could be considered the reddest, the most conservative part of the state, the communists have a firm hold on the indoctrination of our children. A great deal of time at that meeting was spent by the superintendent and her staff attempting to get the names of the teachers that were themselves concerned with the curriculum and sharing it with other parents and teachers in the community. There is definitely teacher fear of retribution by the school district's leadership and I could tell it was a well-founded fear. As I mentioned, there are teachers in the district here that are reaching out to parents with the information about the curriculums being introduced. These teachers are asking parents to bring up the concerns to the school board because of their fear of retribution. Most of this curriculum is copyright protected, which means it is granted a special restriction status whereby parents cannot log in to see the material. Why is there a copyright on the material restricting parental access when it is shared with hundreds, thousands, thousands? heck, millions of students all over the country. We all know the why. The why is manifesting itself all over the nation right now with parents showing up at school board meetings wondering why this corrosive material is being forced down the throats of every student in public, I mean, government schools. What do you all think will be the end result of an entire generation of children that are raised to hate their country and its founding? Or what will the end result be of children brought up in a faith other than what the children's parents are trying to raise them up in? Or taught that the faith that they are being raised by their parents in, specifically Christianity, is evil. Humanity was warned of this in Isaiah 5.20, which states, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. We are witnessing the end results of this right now. The concerns with CKLA are equal to or exceed those concerns when comparing it to the new Second Step SEL curriculum. Our school board unanimously approved the Second Step SEL curriculum for the county's K-8 students late last month. I have been to a few of these school board meetings and they seem just like rubber stamp of somebody's agenda. Very little discussion on the items that are brought up for a vote and often no dissenting votes. It's almost robotic. Anyway, at last month's meeting, the parents and taxpayers in attendance had no idea what the curriculum was, and when they asked district leadership, they informed them that they could look it up on the website. Well, it wasn't on their website initially, and even a few teachers were unaware of the curriculum. It's weird, right? Eventually, through the diligent efforts by some concerned parents, information about the curriculum was located. As soon as you are done listening to this episode, I would encourage you all to go look it up, and all the controversy surrounding it. Do this for yourselves. This new curriculum warns students to clear their browser history and gives a phone number for children to call if they're worried that their internet use can be monitored. Why would they do that? Who exactly would be monitoring children's internet history? Parents, that's who. In fact, there's a warning that students should clear their internet history after visiting the website. Devious the curriculum appears to redirect or refer users to pages that are titled Scarleteens, Sex Ed for the Real World. And that's described as inclusive, comprehensive, supportive, sexuality, and relationships info for teens and emerging adults. Is that a topic that should be discussed in school? Or is that a topic that should be discussed with parents at home? Right? This curriculum, for kindergarten through eighth grade, mind you, also appears to link to web pages where the topic of BDSM is discussed. For those of you who are unaware what BDSM means, it stands for Bondage, Discipline, Dominance, and Submission. What member of our school board or school district leadership thinks that that, in any way, is an appropriate topic for any child? Especially for an institution that is supposed to educate on math, science, English, and history. Oh, but we can't forget how the Communist Party is also the cult of death, and they revere, actually they worship it, this practice of abortion. Yep, it appears that there is even information in this curriculum that links to websites showing how to access a safe, self-managed medical abortion. There also appears to be a link to the topic of Sex Can Be an Important Part of Your Relationship. And that title appears under a picture of two teen, or could it be even preteen girls, engaged in a brace lying down with one on top of the other that is the stuff the severe county board of education just unanimously approved to be taught in our school curriculum purchased with the tax dollars of the parents and other residents of this community most parents are completely unaware of this purchase and the content as well i'm quite sure that severe county is not alone in this either This is happening all over our country right now, and it has been happening for a while. How does that make you feel? I don't know about you, but using my hard earned sweat equity to sexualize children should be a crime if it isn't already. Using my hard earned sweat equity to make children believe they are either an oppressor or an oppressed based upon the color of their skin makes me extremely angry. This new curriculum is not only sexualizing our children. It is placing government in the role of parents in properly raising children. That is a communist dream, where the answer to every problem is government and government control. I have asked the superintendent via email to explain to me the process by which a curriculum is purchased by the taxpayers, and more importantly, how it is vetted. I want to find out from the superintendent if this purchase was made with or without any inputs from the parents in the community. I have a feeling I already know the answer to those questions, but I want it straight from the superintendent herself. I recall that at that meeting I had with the superintendent and her staff, a point they constantly made and were repeating over and over is that they are all working for the best interests of the children. It's a common statement at each of the school board meetings that are open to the public as well. The question here though is this, who is determining what the best interests of the children are? By the looks of things, it's not what the parents think are the best interests of the children, but the school board is making that determination with inputs from unions, lobbyists, and special interest groups. It would also appear that school boards are being guided in their determination of children's best interests by these same teachers' unions and what looks like now Disney Corporation ideology. This pervasive, sickening ideology seems to be at the core of what school boards have been doing all over the nation. I would encourage every listener to this podcast to file a Freedom of Information Act request or open records request with their school board and ask very specific questions. General questions will be responded to with a huge bill that you will have to pay in order to access the information. And that information should be ours, by the way, because our tax dollars paid for it. But be specific. Like the exact amount of the cost of the curriculum and when it was originally purchased. Or... Ask for any email communication between the curriculum developer and whatever individual in the school district is responsible for the curriculum. You could even ask for any email communication between district leadership and state-level agencies regarding the curriculum. Just be specific with each request. We as taxpayers and parents need to shine a light on every aspect of what these school boards and school district leaders are doing with our tax dollars, as well as what they are putting into children's minds. One of the things that I will be working on when I get to the General Assembly is getting legislation passed that will allow for recall elections for members of the school board. As I have mentioned in the past, this is the level of government that has the most direct impact on the citizens. Not just the parents of the community either, for all taxpayers in the community. Public schools, government schools, are funded primarily through property taxes. For those of you that think that people that are renters do not pay this tax and is therefore doesn't impact them, Well, you would be mistaken. The property owners that are renting to you, they pay property tax on those dwellings. Those taxes are passed along to the renters as part of the rent you pay. So everybody in the community pays taxes that support these government schools. Brick and mortar businesses pay property taxes on the businesses they operate. That is also figured in the products they sell and the services they provide. So again, Everybody in this community pays taxes to support government education. While there's a small part of the population, a very small part, that is quite happy with this type of garbage being pushed on the children, a vast majority of the population should be extremely angry that this is happening to the most innocent among us. Children are being exposed to what is best described as a gateway to grooming by pedophiles. I'll say it again and again, folks this isn't rocket science. These people are evil, and they just want to diddle our kids. I hope you all get a chance to view or listen to that Disney Corporation conference call. Well, just let me play some of the audio from that call for you, and you can decide for yourself. Listen to this. Last summer, we we removed all of the um, gendered greetings and relationship to our life skills, so we no longer say, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls um we we've trained we we've provided training for all of our our cast members in, in relationship to that so now they know it's, it's hello everyone or hello friends we we're in the process of changing over those those recorded messages and so many of you are probably familiar when we brought the fireworks back to the magic kingdom we no longer say ladies and gentlemen boys and girls we say dreamers of all ages i'm here as a mother of, of two queer children actually um uh one transgender child um, um and one pansexual child um and and also as a leader many 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 LGBT lgbtqia characters in our stories and 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 yet we don't have enough leads um and narratives in which gay characters just just get to be characters on my little pocket of like you know proud family disney tva um the showrunners were super welcoming, Meredith Roberts and, like, the, the, our leadership over there has been so welcoming to, like, my, like, not at all secret gay agenda. And so, like, I, I feel like, I felt like it was, I mean, like, maybe it was that way in the past, but I guess, like, something must have happened in the last... Like, like, they are turning it around, they're going hard. Let's have these two characters kiss. Let's, in the background, this are, like I was just, wherever I could, just basically adding queerness to like, the, if you see anything queer in the show, I'm proud of them. But like, I, I just was like, no one would stop me and no one was trying to stop me. You're also reacting from the reality that when they can erase you, when they can criminalize your existence, when they can demonize who you are, the next step is to criminalize you and take your kids. And we're already seeing that in Texas. So the slippery slope between these ugly messages, um, you know, emanating from legislative leaders in our state, and then amplified by our governor, whose spokesperson immediately began calling everyone who opposed this bill uh, groomers, aka pedophiles. Yeah, um, I've had the privilege of working with the Moon Girl team for the last two years. And they've been really open to exploring queer stories. And so I put together like a tracker of our background characters to make sure that we have like the full breadth of expression. And uh, we got into a very similar conversation, Carrie, of like, oh, all of our like gender nonconforming characters are in the background. What do you think? How about that not so secret gay agenda? They always reveal themselves. First is the changing of the language, then comes the changing of the culture. That video call came after the mislabeled Don't Say Gay bill was passed by the Florida legislature and signed into law by Governor DeSantis. Of course, there's no language in that piece of legislation that contains the words Don't Say Gay. That is just the media enablers, many of them groomers in the first place, stirring up opposition to this bill. How the situation in Florida progresses will be interesting to watch. It may be a blueprint for conservative action in every individual state, or it can provide information on how to fight the legal arguments. That is why I'm encouraging you all to get involved in our self-governance. School boards have been running amok for years now, and it's time to put a stop to it. These people have been counting on the apathy of the electorate to push us down this path of division. The government education arena is one where we all must take a stand. I will be filing an open records request and will share the response to my listeners when, or even if, it is answered. So let's get into state legislators and how they often fail in their O's of office. How they appear to be more beholden to lobbyists or political action committees or political parties. Rarely do they appear to be beholden to their O's and their constituents. So we'll talk a bit about nullification again here. Nullification is the procedure by which a state's government informs the federal government that it will not follow a federal law or a state government believes that a bill passed by the U.S. Congress is unconstitutional and will not be enforced in that state. The communists run around like chicken little when the subject of nullification comes up in state legislatures. They cry that nullification led to the Civil War or some other such nonsense and they lie about the history of it. Even the Transpublicans fall into lockstep with them. Here in Tennessee, General Assembly Representative Doggett out of Pulaski, Tennessee, introduced House Bill 2574 on February 2nd of this year. Liberty Defender Senator Janice Bowling, out of Tullahoma introduced the Senate Companion Bill, SB 2471, on the same date. The summary of this bill is as follows, quote, As introduced, creates a committee to review federal actions affecting this state and to report its findings to the General Assembly for a vote on legislation to determine if the action has legal effect and is to be recognized under state law, A lot of words, which mean nullification. It's a method by which a state's legislature can assert 10th Amendment protections against federal overreach and unconstitutional laws. Guess what happened to the House bill? Well, if I'm speaking about it, you know exactly what happened. What happens to most bills that are designed to protect the states and people's rights as defined in the federal constitution? Yep, either slow-rolled or killed in committee. House Bill 2574 was taken off notice by Representative Doggett last week. This was because the Senate bill was placed in the General Subcommittee, which is where the Senate sends bills that will not be moving forward with, which means it'll be postponed indefinitely. Typical behavior of the trans-publican supermajority. Now let's discuss another bill that was proposed by a communist in the General Assembly. Granted, this bill is not moving forward either, but it's an interesting comparison. All communists have a publicly stated position that they are opposed to nullification, especially if it will be used against their main party in D.C. I'm speaking here about House Bill 1968 and its companion bill in the Senate, Senate Bill 2598. Here's a summary of that bill, quote, Controlled Substances, as introduced, enacts the Free All Cannabis for Tennesseans Act, establishes a regulatory structure for the cultivation, processing, and retail sale of marijuana and marijuana products in this state to be administered by the Department of Agriculture, unquote. In layman's terms, it is the legalizing of marijuana, or more appropriately, nullifying the Federal Controlled Substances Act. This bill was introduced in the House by Representative Bob Freeman, a communist out of Nashville. The Senate version was introduced by Senator Heidi Campbell, another communist out of Nashville. Do you think them two and the rest of the Communist Caucus were complaining about nullification when this bill was proposed? Of course not. Nullification is okay if it is for a communist cause. This brings to mind a discussion that I was having with a panel at the Second Amendment rally here in Sevierville this past weekend. The panel consisted of Representative Dale Carr of House District 12, yes, the man I will be running against in November, as well as Mr. John Harris of the Tennessee Firearms Association and Constitutional Attorney Jeffrey Cobble. I asked them why we here in Tennessee could not get common-sense, liberty-protecting legislation like Senator Bolling's and Representative Doggett's recently indefinitely postponed bill, passed with a supermajority of so-called Republicans. Well, after some back and forth, a real answer was never given. That is because the General Assembly is a supermajority of trans Republicans. Nobody up there in Nashville is willing to call out their fellow legislators on their failures to uphold their oaths. Well, my friends, you don't have to worry about that with me. I will take a blowtorch to the place and call out any legislative member that is unwilling to stand on their oath to protect the liberties of us Tennesseans. Many of these good bills fail in subcommittee by not getting a second on the motion to consider the bill. Really? Nobody in these supermajority Republican subcommittees will even second a motion to consider the bill? That is weakness. Or... That is being controlled by lobbyists, political action committees, or the state Republican Party. All of which means they are not truly representing their constituents. I will not be beholden to any special interest other than the people that send me to Nashville. I'm not running because I need money or power or influence. In fact, if elected, I will be missing out on significant income that I generate with my consulting business. It isn't, nor should it be, about money. Elected office in our system of self-governance is about ensuring government stays within the limits set forth in both our state and federal constitutions. Thomas Jefferson said it best when he stated, and I quote, government governs best when it governs least, unquote. Or when he also stated, quote, most bad government has grown out of too much government, unquote. Our so-called Republican supermajority based upon the stated platform of the party, should be focused on reducing the size and scope of government. Scope meaning the amount of government intrusion into our daily lives. The General Assembly is allowing the federal government to not only usurp powers reserved to the states by the federal constitution, it is allowing the federal government to control nearly every moment and activity in the lives of the citizens. It must come to an end. If that means naming names, then so be it. It is the job of the elected servant leader to serve the people and not serve everybody and everything else. This also means that a voice vote in the House and Senate committees and subcommittees needs to be immediately available to every citizen here in Tennessee. These people were elected to a position of accountability and only full transparency will allow the people to hold them accountable for their votes or non-votes. That is what you will get from me once I am elected to office. I will continue to use this podcast and other methods of communication to inform the constituents of House District 12 of all the machinations in Nashville. We all need to pay attention to the men and women behind the curtain. But that's enough about the General Assembly this week and their failures to follow their oaths. The topic of oath failures could be a daily podcast with what is happening here in Tennessee as well as our U.S. Congress. Which brings us to judicial misconduct. That is what we will all be subject to once Judge Kintanji Brown-Jackson is confirmed to sit as an associate justice on the Supreme Court. I hope you have all been following this. I also hope that you realize that Senator Manchin is not the hero a lot of people thought he was when he killed Dementia Joe's billback Back Broker legislation. He is still a communist at heart and will not stand in the way of putting this activist judge on the highest court in the land. This judge, whose judicial philosophy aligns with all those people in the Disney audio we heard earlier in the show. She is a provable pedophile enabler, based upon her record on decisions in the pedophilia and child pornography cases that appeared before her. Every single sentence she handed down in those cases was not only below the prosecutor's requested minimum, but the probation department's request. The worst criminals in our society, people that abuse and sexually exploit children, only received a slap on the wrist from the first black woman, which you cannot define, by the way, the first black woman nominated to the Supreme Court. All of these communists and some of the Transpublicans are rushing to secure that their part in the historic confirmation is documented in the history books. Never mind the destruction of the Constitution that will ensue. Never mind that they violate their oaths to protect and defend the Constitution by confirming a judge that has a philosophy of an evolving or changing Constitution. Justices that have that same philosophy somehow found a right in the Constitution that allows a woman, not a birthing person, but a woman to kill an unborn child in the womb. Just think about the damage this woman can do once she is on the bench. She will be doing exactly what the communists want a member of the judiciary to do make law. Make law out of thin air, much like we discussed in last week's episode. That is why Biden, when he was a senator, derailed the nomination of the actual first black woman to be considered for the Supreme Court. Because she wouldn't make law like the communists wanted, but instead she was an originalist, meaning she made her decisions based upon the original writing of the Constitution. Nope, no way the communists can suffer a judge like that to sit on the Supreme Court. Just look at how they are going after Justice Thomas now because of his wife's, not his, his wife's activism. It is sickening. Mark my words, this judge's confirmation will be a mistake of epic proportions in the future. It shouldn't be this way, but we are where we are and it will take giant steps to restore the Supreme Court to its Article Three authority only. That. Is why apathy is killing our republic. Rhino senators that support this nomination need to be removed from office. In fact, any member that votes on any piece of legislation that is outside the scope of Article I, Section 8 of the Constitution, needs to be removed from office for violating their oaths. Those votes that advance legislation outside the enumerated powers do one thing and one thing only they erode the liberty of we the people. In closing this week, I would like to leave you all with us from God's Word. Today it comes to us from Acts 20.30. Even some men from your own group will rise up and distort the truth in order to draw a following. For far too long, we the people have allowed people to rise up and distort the truth that eventually erodes our liberty. Eventually, it will take every one of we the people that want to restore our republic and our state to its founding principles to rise up and throw off our apathy. We need to rise up and throw these chains that bind us off. These chains that were formed by our unwillingness to get involved and hold elected officials accountable to us and the oaths of office they swore. We can no longer be content with the status quo because the status quo has been gradually eating away at our liberty. One day soon, if we do not act, there will be no more liberty. We will be cogs in the machine of a government that will tax and spend the best country on the planet into third world status. We will be cogs in the machine of a government that hates us. Until next week, stand in the arena with me. Reveille, it's time to wake up.